Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we were gathered a few feet over from where we are now, over there. But we were sitting in pews with a roof of the church over our head. And those of you who were here, if you remember the appointed gospel reading last Sunday was the parable of the unjust steward. And we sang as the hymn of the day, what is the world to me? And in the first stanza of that hymn, we sang these words. What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasure when you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure? You only, dearest Lord, my soul's delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? That was last Sunday. That was a week and a span of time, but it feels like a lifetime ago now here sitting outside next to the church damaged. Our communities, our schools, our homes, our farms, so many other things that we can't even number, swept over. Destruction everywhere. That's where we are right now. Right here, in this time, and in this place. And there are no words that can describe the sights we have seen and heard the past week. Destruction and devastation have a way of humbling us pretty quickly, causing our whole focus to turn in a different direction, our whole world to be spin, spun and turned up upside down. Going from joy to sadness, plenty to lacking, hard work and security to uncertainty in a span of 30 minutes, it rattles us, even those of us who might not want to admit so. And Job said in the reading, and now my soul was poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. Job cried out to the Lord and it appeared that God was not answering. Job goes on to say something that sounds very appropriate for us now. He said, you have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it and you toss me about in the roar of the storm. And so as Christians, we see these things that we've experienced this past week, really this whole year, and we look at the things for which they are. They're terrible. We don't try to sugarcoat it. Put bow on cow poop and it's still cow poop. The evidence of living in a fallen world which groans out for redemption is all around us, even as we too turn against the Lord in our sin. So as Christians then, we call a thing for what it is. We don't try to call evil good. Suffering and loss are not as God intended us for us to live. That's what it is to live in this fallen world. So even things like natural disasters give evidence to our fallen state. And while God is never the author of evil, he still has his hand in creation. The wind and waves, they obey him. And so it's tempting for us to want to discern times like this and, and think something like, well, this must have happened because of a certain event or person, and God is trying to tell us something on one hand, or to simply think God is absent and not the Lord of creation by thinking, well, God would never do this or let this happen. 
But both of those ways of thinking feed into our mindset that tries to place ourselves in the role of God. And this is where God calls us especially to be slow to speak and quick to hear. We do well to cast aside our speculations and let God have his say. That reading from Luke today gives us a biblical way of looking at times of disaster and tragedy. Listen again to the words recorded for us in what Jesus said. Jesus said there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So with these words of our Lord, we see what Jesus is teaching us. He's not teaching us to speculate about the unknown, but instead to listen to what is known. He's telling us to see these things around us and repent. Did God send this storm to punish us? That's the wrong question to ask. Likewise, it's wrong for us to think that God's hand was not in what happened because then he would be a pretty wimpy God who can't even control a little bit of wind. No, both of these things are the wrong thinking, the wrong perspective we are to have right now. Even though the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, they want us to ask these questions and to entertain these thoughts in our hearts. Instead, we listen to what Jesus teaches. We look at these things and know that sin is real, that God's wrath against sin is real, and knowing that we live in a fallen world, this shouldn't surprise us. The wages of sin is death, and destruction goes along with that. But you see, here's the thing. As you sit here today hearing those words, and you're thinking about your homes, your farms, your property, your families, and whatever else may be, God's word today is spoken to you. Like Job, Christians cry out to God in times like this, even if at first it may be our first words out of our mouth, maybe anger in our hearts. We cry out in anguish and call to him to be faithful as he's promised, even if it seems God is delaying and helping us. And as Christians, we listen to this word which speaks to us, for faith must have an object. And God's word creates and sustains that faith and points us outside of ourselves, outside of the devastation, outside of all that is, and points us to him. It orients us to the one who has created all things, the one who can send wind that ravages the land. But it's to see that God's purpose in all of this is not simply to see him in power or sovereignty or even in control, just to say, well, boy, God really is something. No, God is driving you to your knees to see him in a saving way. Because when you look around you and you hear his word preached to you, you see that God is the one who is in weakness, the one who is in suffering, the one who is in torment, the God who died. And it's in this then you have something. This day God is driving you to Christ crucified, for in him God's power is made perfect in weakness. 
And this is your comfort found in how you know something absolutely sure about God during all of this time and what it means for you. Here again these words from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? And so God fixes your eyes on what is known and certain amid all that what is not. In suffering, God points you to Christ crucified. In times of joy and plenty, God points you to Christ crucified. So why is that, and what does this mean? So when you see Jesus crucified on the cross, you see that there is no doubt whatsoever that God is the God who has had mercy on you. And facing all of these things in life that come your way, you behold the Lord crucified for you, and you see that God is indeed for you at all times, even if at times you might start to question that. And that means that no matter what may happen in this life, or no matter what the circumstance may be, how God looks at you, how God sees you, is all through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So then when you go from this place, and you go back to your homes, when you get off of our lawn, and you go back to your own place, and you stand and you look over the remnants of what remains, God's word today is a word of peace. It's to see all of that stuff laying and twisted around you and know that even if the earth gives way, even though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, you have no fear. Because God is your refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Jesus has redeemed you. He's called you his own. Nothing that's what happened has changed that. Baptized into Christ, you have the priceless treasure of Jesus and his salvation given to you, and it covers you. So though you stand and mourn the loss of things of this world and you cry out to God, you know that God hears you, and he answers your prayers and that the Spirit prays for you with groanings too deep for words. That's who God is during this time. He's your God who has saved you in Christ and will never forsake you. And even though your loss in this world might be great, you fix your eyes on the Lord nailed to the cross, God in the flesh who laid aside his glory in order that your treasure would be eternal. And you see that image and know that God loves you, that he's shown you mercy, and even at times when you might wonder where in the world this is, everything is going. In faith, God given to, you, given to you by God, you cling to him so tightly, knowing that you belong to him. And in that you find contentment in the one who promises you and assures you that the day will come when sin, when suffering, when destruction and death will come to an end, and when we, you will have a place in a future glory to come, which is beyond compare. So this present trial and tribulation, it's going to be for a while. We're in this for the long haul, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it will all end, when things will be rebuilt, if they ever fully will be, only God knows that. But your future, that's not up for grabs. And you know what? It's the same future you had last week as you sat a few feet over in the church that's now damaged. It's the same future when you woke up Monday morning, when you did your chores, when you prepared for another day of work. It's the same future you had looking over the rubble of your things for the first time, wondering what in the world you were going to do next. 
It's the same future you have now sitting here taking a rest from all of the cleanup. Your future is with the Lord and his saints forever in paradise. The only difference is that today you are more refined through this suffering. Martin Luther once said, the fiercer our sufferings are, the greater and more wonderful the things that are worked in the saints. It is a proof of grace and God's good will when they are disciplined by the cross and afflictions. So you see a lot of God's good will towards you. You have been and you're being sharpened to see Christ and cling to him during these times. And so what a joy it is to fix our eyes on Christ and know God's care for you, even if our worldly future seems to be, who knows. And so last week seemed so long ago, but Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. We sang that hymn, What is the World to Me?, and heard about not loving the things of this world over God and using the things of this world in service to God with no idea what the week would hold and what trial would be in store for us. But on this Sunday, the same words ring true in perhaps a starker way. We sit here this morning and cling to Christ's promises, lacking more in a worldly sense than we did a, a week ago to be sure, but still possessing the Lord and his kingdom. And your confession is still the same as the Lord is the same Lord for you who is your treasure. What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasure when you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure? You only, dearest Lord, my soul's delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen.